My father kept a vaulted conch by two bronze bookends of ships in sail, and as I listened, its cold teeth seethed with voices of that ambiguous sea old Birkeland missed, who held a shell to hear the sea he could not hear. But the seashell spoke to his inner ear, he knew, but no peasants know. My father died, and when he died, he willed his books and shell away. The books burned up, sea took the shell. But I, I keep the voices he set in my ear, and in my eye the sight of those blue unseen waves for which the ghost of Birkeland grieves. The peasants feast and multiply. Eclipsing the spitted ox, I see neither brazen swan nor burning star, heraldry of a starker age, but three men entering the yard and those men coming up the stair. Profitless, their gossiping images invade the cloistral eye like pages from a gross comic strip. And toward the happening of this happening, the earth turns now. In half an hour, I shall go down the shabby stair and meet coming up those three. Worth less than present, past, this future. Worthless such vision to eyes gone dull that once descried Troy's towers fall, saw evil break out of the north. Sins like you want me to But there's one thing I want 
Is somewhat laid back. Were you bemused to become the Bobby Soxer idol? With kids screaming, shouting, and dancing in the aisles? Oh, yes, I always was. Did I you like remember, it? Well, I always, I remember saying uh, to myself at the Paramount Theater when we couldn't even start to play a kind of all the. Um, Call it adulation. Adulation and the noise that was going on. That I just sat there on the stage, and my attitude was, well, when you get through with your histronics and uh, and uh, adulation, your, yeah, with your show, we'll go on with ours. But I always thought anybody who took that terribly seriously was out of his mind. <laughs> what would you tell him? Right? Let's talk about. Let's say Mick Jagger today. You've had the experience of being a Mick Jagger for nearly fifty years. Mm. How would you advise that young man? Well, I don't have to give him any advice. <laughs> he knows exactly what to do. <laughs> As a matter of fact, you know, I did, uh, I found this out last summer, that I sat in on a jam session with him about 20 years ago in London, would you believe it, with some friends of mine. He was about 20 years old then. Oh, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. he's pushing 40. He reminded me about it. Did you remember him as a singer? No, not musician? at all. No. Um, let's stay with that for a moment. Those, the Rolling Stones, for example, they haven't played together on concert tour in three years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you used to play how often? I mean, it's a major difference, isn't it? How oh, often yes. would you play your band? Oh, we kept on going all the time. We played 365 days a year. No. Yes. Or 360 days a year. How'd um, you do that? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> Played one-nighters, 
And then if we played a, a steady engagement, you played at some place like the Pennsylvania Hotel for three or four months. One show night? No, you played the whole evening for dancing. We started at seven o'clock at night and finished at one o'clock in the morning. And then you might have doubled at the Paramount Theater. And then you played five shows a day at the Paramount. Seven days a week. I don't think today's rock and roll kids would believe you. I'll probably, well, I don't know if they'd believe it. They wouldn't do it. When I grow too old to dream, I'll have you to remember when I grow too old to dream your love will live in my heart so kiss me my sweet and so
Nothing more. 
sky was blue and high above the moon was new and so was love this eager heart of mine keeps singing lover where can you be you came at last love had its day that day has passed you've gone away this eager heart of mine keeps singing lover come back to me when i remember every little thing you used to do i'm so lonely every road i walk along i walk along with you no wonder i am lonely the sky is blue the night is cold the moon is new but love is old and while i'm waiting here this heart of mine keeps singing lover 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 Nineteen forty-one. I can't remember at that time. Oh, nineteen forty. That same year, however, I fell amazingly in love with Jean Tierney when she was very young and played with Randolph Scott in a picture called Bell Star. She was extremely beautiful. I can't forget her long black hair and that face. And. A memory I can never forget. In 1942, however, I remember my first wonderful crush on someone full-time. Her name was Audrey Dash. She was the superintendent's daughter. She had long black hair also. She was, oh, she was extremely beautiful. She had a sister named Dottie Dash. Not as good looking at her as though she was blonde. Audrey Dash was the one I was crazy over. I'll always remember her. While I won't give my age, it's not hard to guess. But the fact is, I had the first 22 issues of Captain America comics. I loaned her issue number eight. Her father beat her with it. And I never got that issue back. Since then, I destroyed my collection. Step inside, love Let me find you a place Where the curse of the day will be carried away By the smile on your face We are together now and forever Come my way Step inside, love 
and stay Step inside love Step inside love Step inside love I want you to stay You look tired love Let me turn down the light Coming out of the cold Rest your head on my shoulder And love me tonight I'll always be here if you should need me Night and day Step inside love And stay Step inside love Step inside love Step inside love I want you to stay
handlebars, bicycles for two, broken-hearted jubilee, parachutes, army boots, sleeping bags for two, sentimental jamboree, bye bye says the sign in the shop window, why, why says the junk in the yard, yada da la da da la da da Junk in the yard. Yeah, da 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 la 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 da 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 da. Candlesticks, building bricks, something old and new. Memories for you and me. Every day she takes her morning bath, she wets her hair, wraps a towel around her as she's headed for the bed. Chairs, just another day. Slipping in the stockings, stepping in the shoes, dipping in the pocket of the raincoat. It's just another day. At the office where the papers grow, she takes a break, drinks another.
Every day she takes her morning bath, she wets her hair Wraps a towel around her and she's heading for the bedroom chair It's just another day Slipping in the stockings, stepping in the shoes Dipping in the pocket of the raincoat Oh, it's just another day Oh, uh-huh. 
The age demanded an image of its accelerated grimace. Something for the modern stage. Not, at any rate, an attic grace. Not, not certainly, the obscure reveries of the inward gaze. Better mendacities than the classics in paraphrase. The age demanded chiefly a mold in plaster made with no loss of time. A prose kinema. Not, not assuredly alabaster or the sculpture of rhyme.
I said organic houses. You see a, a modern young couple in one of these very violently severe modern yeah. places, with, and they, they seem completely at home. They are completely comfortable, this kind of thing. Now, well, they're making a heroic effort. <laughs> and uh, they are like goldfish, as a rule, in a, in a globe. And these houses that are so classified as they now are, they're not sensible. It's an abuse of privilege and a, an abuse of material. And those things always follow in the line of any new movement. Now, this architectural desi this desire for an architecture that is more expressive of human culture than the ones we've been having always has its soiled fringe. Every such movement will have its uh, extremists, will have its abusers, will have its exploiters, and that has happened, of course. Now, you can't expect the average man or woman who wants to build a house to know the difference. Something inside them has to tell them what is good and what's bad because they don't yet know. But someday they're going to learn about it in school. And that, I believe, is what's happening now, as we said a little while ago. 
I believe now people are going to know what constitutes good architecture, good environment, and of course good living has to go with it. Good dressing too, good conduct also. All these good things are dependent more or less one on the other and are assisting one another more or less. Because you wouldn't dress in a loud and vulgar way in a quiet and beautiful room. Nor would you be so satisfied with tawdry jazz, perhaps, in a room that was beautifully conceived and had a lovely atmosphere and belonged where it was. It would seem more than ever discordant. So these things all match up as you go along and add up to something that we call culture. Isn't that it?
Did you become a communist as a, as a reaction against uh, this uh, fascism swirling about you and your own family? Well, I, I'm sure it was partly that, absolutely. It was also, I think, perhaps much more, looking back, the influence of the, the whole generation that I grew up in, and particularly people mm -hmm. 10 years older than me, people who when I was 15 would have been 25 mm -hmm. or 30, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I mean, the 30s were a tremendously political period mm. in history. And so there was a huge lot of fascinating ideas swirling about, you know, outside Swinbrook, mm. and which one picked up on by reading. Your parents seemed much more disappointed at uh, you being a communist than at uh, your sisters as fascists. No, you see, they went absolutely over for fascism. Mm. They went to Germany and they met the Führer. I, uh, in fact, I, yeah, when, after my mother died, I found her diaries, um, in, uh, you know, amongst her effects. And we have things like tea with Führer, you know, tea with <laughs> Führer. And then, you know, uh, in other words, in the middle of um, Nanny's Holiday, um, a calf born to um, a cow called Clover, tea yeah. with Führer. Your parents had a, a passionate interest in fascism and Nazism, and there was the strain of appeasement right throughout the, the ruling classes. Uh, you have to remember that large amounts, large sections of the English ruling class are, you know, were incredibly in favor of that fellow Hitler, as he was mm. called in those days. Because uh, what had he done? He'd crushed the trade unions, he'd crushed the Communist Party, and um, he'd crushed the Jews. And don't forget, there's a huge strain of anti-Semitism that runs through that class in England. So these are the things that make you feel that... My life was simply hellish. I didn't stand a chance. I thought that I would relish a tomb like General Grant. But now I feel so swellish, so Elsa Maxwellish, that I'm given a dance. I feel like a million dollars, I feel simply out of sight. So come on down, come on down, I'm throwing a ball tonight. I'm full of the old paprika, I'm loaded with dynamite. So come on down, come on down, I'm throwing a ball tonight. A certain person just brought some news, and wow, was it great. So I rehearsed my dancing shoes, now I can celebrate. I feel like a million dollars, I feel simply out of sight. So come on down, come on down, I'm throwing a ball tonight. I've invited Wendell Wilkie, I've invited FDR. And for photographs, I asked the staffs of life, look, click, peek. Time, Vogue, and Harper's Bazaar. I've invited Monty Woolley, and of course I asked Cliff Odets, but to all my bids, every one of those kids tendered his regrets, and so I feel like a million dollars. I feel simply out of sight. So come on down, come on down, I'm throwing a ball tonight. I'm full of the old paprika, I'm loaded with dynamite. So come on down, come on down, I'm throwing a ball tonight. I've arranged a rumba contest just to make my party chic. And the winning ones will get two tons of Lux, Pons, Vel, Teal, Mum, Zip, and Camphophonique. <laughs> I've invited Johnny Walker and Hagen Hagen. I asked twice, but to my surprise, every one of those guys wired back no dice. And so I feel I'm loaded with dynamite. So come on down, come on down. 
this. This is fun. It's a Cole Porter song. Great song. I've got you under my skin. I've got you deep in the heart of me. So deep in my heart that you're really a part of me. I've got you under my skin. I've tried so not to give in. I've said to myself, this affair never will go so well. But why should I try to resist when, baby, I know damn well I've got you under my skin. I'd sacrifice anything, come what might, for the sake of having you near, in spite of a warning voice that comes in the night and repeats, repeats in my ear. Don't you know, little fool, you never can win. Use your mentality, wake up to reality. But each time I do, just the thought of you. Stop before I begin Cause I've got you Under my skin said a word starts to sing spring spring when the little blue bell in the bottom of the dell starts to ring ding ding when the little blue clerk in the middle of his work sings a song to the moon above it is nature that so Simply telling us to fall in love, and that. 
Miss Otis regrets She's unable to lunch today She is sorry to be delayed But last evening down in lover's lane she strayed Madam Miss Otis regrets She's unable to lunch today She woke from her dream And found that her love had gone Madam She ran to the man Who had led her so far astray And from under her velvet gown She drew a gun and shot her lover down Madam, this old is regrets She's unable to lunch today Strung her upon a willow across the way. And the moment before she died, she lifted up her lovely head and cried. Otis regrets She's unable To lunch any other he's a wop <laughs> who's a mother's mother <laughs> he's a fellow who is a gasser at least 
After some libation, the transformation from boy to beast. He's the WAP. Made Jack Daniels famous. Does the booze what I do to Amos? Well, let me see the thing there. But we're glad he's born. And that's no corny slop. That's no corny slop. I'm glad you're here. Next to Patsy D'Amour, he's the WAP. He's the WAP. Records sell like Nestle's. Nestle's. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Nestle's. <laughs> You'll see why in a minute. They're the top, but they don't top Presley's. Okay, okay. Okay, I know. Okay. Presley's, they don't top Presley's. Yeah. <laughs> Needs his daily shot. Or he could not survive. <laughs> Don't just lay there. Help me a little bit. <laughs> Feed him some linguine, a dry martini. He comes alive. He does fine as a press abuser. Come to dine. There's a gift from Ruser. That's not right. Rooster. Rooster, sure. Here's, here's the part I don't know, so play the melody. He's a clothier's dream. Makes Manju seem of a fop. Fop. Next to Henry Senacola, he's the wop. He's the wop. Who's the showbiz mystery? Goofs it off. He still makes history. There's no more O's in history, right? History. All right. Actors laugh, he'll shun, completely undismayed. In Pal Joey, he played naturally and still got pain. He's the boy who prints all the manuals on the joy of consuming Daniel. How'd you make a ballad out of it? <laughs> I don't know. What made you pick this song? This is the worst song. The day he blows is when he will close up shop, shop, shop. shop. I like it. Next, <laughs> next to Tommy Leonetti. Next to Annie Albergetti, next to Tony Francioso, next to even Rub Ruberosa. He's not a wop, but it rhymes. Oh. <laughs> this boy is the wop. Jeez. Mr. Baldwin, uh, as, as far as inspiration goes, uh, what about the the, the far, fair play for Cuba committee and things like that? What, what inspiration do you get from aligning yourself with these groups? The fair play for Cuba committee, for example. Um, well, if you want to, it's a can of beans. It's, let's open it. I was appalled by two things. I still am. Um, by the press attitude of the Cuban Revolution, shortly after, shortly after um, Castro had taken, had, had ta it, uh, expropriated 
you know, American property. I also felt, now speaking as Negro, I'm speaking for myself, as a member of no organization, I also felt that we, the American government, the administration in power at that time, made a terrible mistake in dealing with Castro because the Cubans, no matter what the press says, you know, have a right to their land. You know, it was a revolution which came from the bottom and, when, and it is very dangerous to try to oppose that kind of revolution. And in my point, from my point of view, we gave that island as a gift to the Russians. Right, but, but you're also an American. From, from your point of view, isn't, isn't Cuba a threat to our country here? Well, speaking as an American Negro, um, it depends on which country you mean. You've got to remember that the country which white Americans have boasted so long is a country I have never seen. And now speaking not only for myself, but speaking as, um, as a family man, it would be very hard for me to know exactly what to say to my nephew, for example, if he were going to go into the army. It would be very hard for me to invest him with any morale to persuade him that there was some overwhelming reason he should go to Cuba to free Cuba in defense of a government which couldn't free him. And in any case, no matter what I said, this is a question you'd have to be a fool not to think about. And from that point of view, again, it seems to me we made a very great error. When Castro and Khrushchev went to Harlem, it's our fault. They went to Harlem because Harlem is there. And as long as Harlem is there, we are in danger no matter what we say, no matter what kind of rhetoric we use to cover, the, you know, to deny the disaffection and the very dangerous despair of 22 million people.
Once there was a clown. And let me tell you about this clown. He used to raise a sweat every night out on the stage and just wouldn't stop. That's how hard he worked. He was trying to make people laugh. He used to have this cute little gimmick where he had a seal follow him up and down a ladder, blowing Columbia, the gem of the ocean, on a B-flat Sears Roebuck Model 322A plastic bugle. A real cute little laugh. But they didn't laugh. The people didn't laugh. And you know, a few little things were here and there, and a nip nip nip, but not really. And he was booked out on all of those tank towns playing the Rotary Clubs and the Kiwanis Club, the American Legion, the this, that, and the other club. And, and, you know, and he just wasn't making it. And he had all those wonderful things going on inside of him. He had a wonderful greens and yellows and, and all those oranges. And he's a real happy guy. And all he wanted was to make people laugh. That's all he wanted out of life, is to make people laugh. And then something began to grow, something that just wasn't good began to grow inside of this guy. began to trouble this clown you know little things little things once in a while should happen that would make the crowd begin to move but they were never the right things like for example the time the seal got sick on the stage all over the stage the crowd just oh they just broke up you know they laughed like crazy little things like that and they weren't supposed to be in the act at all, and they weren't supposed to be funny. And this began to trouble him, and it bothered him until the pain began to grow inside. All those greens, and all those oranges, and all those yellows, they just wasn't as bright as they used to be. All he wanted was to make that crowd laugh. All he wanted was to make that crowd laugh. That's all he wanted. And there was this one night in Dubuque when he was playing this notary club. And all those 
those dentists and those druggists and those postmen and those butchers, bakers and dishwashers. And it was leaving the stage when he stumbled over his ladder and fell flat on his face, just flat on his face. And he stands up and of course he's got a bloody nose and his face was a mess. And the crowd, crowd looked, took one look at him and they broke out laughing. Oh, they had him rolling on the floor. He just knocked him out flat. And this begins to trouble him a little bit more, a little bit more than more. And he begins to see something. He begins to see something. not the least of which our clown changed his act. He bought himself a set of football pads, a yellow helmet with red stripes, and he hired a girl to drop a 10-ton pound, a 10-pound sack of flour on his head every night from maybe 20 feet, 30 feet. Oh man, it was a hit. That just broke him up every night. Not like the Buke, not like the Buke. And all of those colors, all those yellows and those reds and those oranges and a lot of gray and all he wanted to do was to make the crowd laugh. That's all he wanted out of the world. They were laughing all right, not like the Buke, but they were laughing. And the dough started coming and he was playing the big town, Chicago, Detroit. And then it was Pittsburgh, and one night, real fine town, Pittsburgh, you know. About three quarters of the way through the act, a rope broke. And down came the backdrop right on this cat's head. And he went flat, and something broke. This was it. What hurt way down deep inside. And he tried to get up, and he looked out at the audience, and man, this... He had laid them in the aisles. They were laughing. They were laughing like crazy. Oh, you should have seen that crowd rolling in the aisle. This was even better than Dubuque. This was bigger than Dubuque. He really had them going. But this was it. This was the last one. Oh, he began to get calls. His agents. Agents were getting telegrams from London, from the Palladium, from the Palais de Chaillot, from the concert, who's it? From Chicago, from all over the world, Tokyo, Hong Kong, everybody wanted the clown. But it, it, was, it, was, it was too late. This was his last one. 
This was his last one. This was his last one. This was his last one. was to make them laugh. Well, they were laughing, but now he knew. He knew what had happened. Ah, uh, the agent, William Morris, kept getting offers. 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, 25,000. Everybody wanted to buy the clown. Everybody wanted to buy the clown. They offered all kinds of money. This is the greatest act ever. More laughs than ever in the world. Send us a clown, they said. We'll pay you. And William Marsh sent a wire. It said, uh, let's see, William Marsh was his agent. It was, William Marsh says, William Marsh sends regrets. Charles Mingus, where are you? Oh, take a bow, fellas. Middle-aged life is merry, and I love to lead it. But there comes a day when your eyes are all right, but your arm isn't long enough to hold the telephone book out where you can read it. And your friends get jocular, so you go to the oculist, and of all your friends, he is the joculist. So over his facetiousness, let us skim only noting that he has been lying in wait for you ever since you said good evening to his grandfather clock under the impression that it was him. And you look at his chart, and it says, Shrudlu Quiriop, and you say, well, why Shrudlu Quiriop? And he says, one set of glasses won't do, you need two. One for reading Earl Stanley Gardner's detective stories and Keats's Endymion with, and the other pair for walking around without saying hello to strange women with. So you spend your time taking off your seeing glasses to put on your reading glasses, and then remembering that your reading glasses are upstairs or in the car, and then you can't find your seeing glasses again because without them on, you can't see where they are. Enough of such mishaps, they would try the patience of an ox. I prefer to forget both pairs of glasses and pass my declining years saluting strange women and grandfather clocks. <laughs> You never wear a stitch of lace Your powder's never on your face You're always wearing jeans Except on Sunday So please don't ever change Now don't you ever change I kinda like you just the way you are You don't know the latest dance 
make romance Your kisses let me know You're not a tomboy So please don't ever change No, don't you ever change Just promise me you're always gonna be As sweet as you are I love you when you're happy They know how to treat guys mean But you would rather die than ever hurt me So please don't ever change No, don't you ever change Just promise me you're always gonna be As sweet as you are
get like you are that's very simple i read read what the bible and from that you got boy like what you a are. bunch of hogwash Man, that is. yours didn't take did it no it sure didn't <laughs> <laughs> you got vaccinated huh? when it came to vaccination there i'll you, tell you <laughs> there was nothing for me because oh, you tell. can't believe those absurd i can it's much easier you to can. believe them than it is not to believe them the results well, that's are not greater. true huh? that's not oh true. yes it is because what you do then is lock yourself away from reality and go off on a great big old binge someplace. Mm -hmm. All that you are is you're just high on this kind of That's stuff right. and some That's sooner right. or later you'll come back down to earth. Twelve years now. How long has yours been going? Uh, let me see. I'm 50 years old. This started when I was 13. 37 years. It's wonderful. Boy, I've when I'm 37, idiot. I don't believe I'll be able to sit still. <laughs> if it gets much better, I believe I'll just rapture. Oh. You know, one of these days, that's going to happen, too. The Lord's going to come back and get all of his saved children and take us up in the sky to be with the Lord. Won't that be something? Yeah, wouldn't that I be something? I want you to go with me. No, sir, Reebok. Come on. The first off, do you really believe yeah, that really Jesus believe. Christ is going to come uh -huh. down through a shaft of light? I believe it. You have to be kidding. Nope. I you honestly, you honestly I believe honestly it. I honestly believe it, and I thank God I do. 
And nobody's you know ever put it? you be in a in a nice little cozy jacket all of your own in a nice little padded room. Yeah, my wife and her mother-in-law when I got converted, my wife and my mother-in-law when I got converted, they took me to a psychiatrist to have me adjusted, and I led him to the Lord. And now he's worse than I am. <laughs> you know what he said? He said, I need what well, you Well, he got. was probably a Christian to start with. Well, maybe so.
my kid went to school, all the kids said to her, here, she went to a private school, they all said to her, your father's going to go to jail. So she got scared. And she came home and told me. So I said to my wife, there's only one way out. Let's go back to New York. In New York, everybody's father's going to jail. Everybody's father just got out of jail. So what's the difference? So we went to New York and put her in a private school there. And there her father was a hero. So she felt great. So I'm in New York. Now that I'm in New York, I meet Walter. And Walter says, you want, you need work? I said, yeah. He says, well, get it with Charlie Russell. He's got this show called Danger. And Marty Ritt, my friend, is directing it. Well, I know Marty Ritt, so I'm working on Danger. So I'm making a living. Then when Russell inherits the program after Marty Ritt leaves, Russell gets the You Are There series. And that was an opportunity for us to introduce a little good politics into the television industry, and we did. We did great. Do you read the book with all the great scripts in it? Terrific scripts. Oh, and I've I'm very good. several of the episodes. Ain't I good? You are. You're terrific. <laughs> A little success always goes to my head. Like a rooster loves a hen like a lion loves his den Like Barbie loves Ken I love to do things that begin with S-N For example I love to sneeze Achoo. Pardon me, please Achoo. I like to sniffle, it really feels nice one handkerchiefle just never suffice But brother, watch out for the breeze When I sneeze Achoo! 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 I love to sniff Just take a whiff I also like snarling, it feels good to me Snarling is darling, I'm sure you'll agree But I'm even happier if I can sniff and sneeze I love to snore It's more like a roar I like to snooze, I like resting my head I take off my shoes and I snuggle in bed Sometimes I just lie on the floor And snore and sniff and sneeze Sometimes I just like to snicker, tee-hee Or snub any snob who is snotty to me and whenever I have a few moments to spend I can snoop on a neighbor or snitch on a friend But much more than any of these I love to snore and to sniff and to sneeze Achoo! Achoo!
It's not that easy being green Having to spend each day the color of the leaves When I think it could be nicer being red or yellow Or gold or something much more colorful like that It's not easy being green It seems you blend in with so many other ordinary things And people tend to pass you over Cause you're not standing out Like flashy sparklers on the water Or stars in the sky But green is the color of spring And green can be cool and friendly like Green can be big like an ocean Or important like a mountain Or tall like a tree When green is all there is to be It could make you wonder why But why wonder why wonder I am green and it'll do fine It's beautiful, and I think it's what I want to be. And green can be big like an ocean. Or important like a mountain Or tall like a tree When green is all there is to be It could make you wonder why But why wonder why wonder I am green and it'll do fine It's beautiful And I think it's what I want to be
life coming Fresh as morning Just say. 